0: Hi there! Welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist. Uh, here today with Father Giordano, our uh, Regional Director in Europe, in uh, Rome, Italy.
1: Hello. Thank Hi, you for Father. having me. Hi. Doing well, Great thank you.
0: Great to be with you. Yeah. Um, now, Father, today I believe you mentioned that you have some uh, comments as we are in the month of May, which is begun by the. Uh, Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, you have some comments to make about uh, St. Joseph and spiritual fatherhood. Um, I think this would be beneficial for our audience, our listeners and viewers. Um, So, why don't you jump right in, go ahead.
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, Well, a couple of weeks ago we had, uh, right before the month of May began, we had, I did an interview here in Italy on the month of Mary. And then I thought, well, I want to also talk about Joseph because the very very beginning of the month of Mary begins with the feast of St. Joseph um, the worker. So it made me, so I I managed to combine these two things, these thoughts together. First of all, on Mary, on the month of Mary, um, the reason why May is the month of Mary is because uh, it's a 13th century century, uh, tradition, it comes from the 13th century. It's been handed down to us from then because May is the beginning of spring, you can say. It's in the middle of the heart of spring. And Our Lady reminds us of life and spring. Life is coming out of this, you know. And so that's very much connected to that. So it's always taking, taking something that's natural, something that's, uh, that we see in the secular world, let's say, pagan culture, and incorporating that into, uh, into Christianizing it. So, and that's typical of what the church has always done. And what's interesting though, when we had this uh, conference, this, this talk a couple of weeks ago, uh, what struck me was that uh, the journalist that was with us mentioned how there's all these phenomena today, all these apparitions of our lady, there's a lot of love and desire for these apparitions. At the time at a time when, in general, Devotion to Our Lady, institutionally speaking, in the church, is quite at an all-time low. Uh, there isn't an emphasis on these, on the coronations of, you know, of Our Lady, the statues, the, the processions, the rosaries. All that's kind of not really being pushed by the clergy so much. That was what the the, the, the journalist said, and I thought that's very interesting because it made me think about the importance of the church as an institution of mediation. Mediating. So, what happens when the church is not doing her mediatory work? Well, Our Lady comes in, and you have these apparitions, and you have there's somehow a need there for people that people have for uh, a maternal figure, also for, for for Our Lady, you know, for this mediatrix in a sense of all graces. So that's kind of ended that way. You know, I was reflecting on that, and it made me, it kind of made me sad to to realize you know, that there's a lot of that. Of, that happening in the church, that we priests are not pushing Marian devotions enough and we're not, pu- we're not pushing St. Joseph enough, so either. But we just ended the year of St. Joseph, which is a good thing, that's a good initiative. Uh, but that's another figure that's being forgotten, another mediatory figure. So on that note, I wanted to read from an article that I wrote uh, prior to the year of St. Joseph, when I knew that it was being announced. Uh, I wrote this article uh, in 2020 and um, it's called The Reflection of the Fatherhood of God. St. Joseph as the Reflection of the Fatherhood of God. Facing, I'm going to read from my article, so, um, sure, and then we ahead. can interrupt. But it's just, I think it's, it, it speaks for itself. Uh, like, facing the growing trend of cancel culture, our faith stands to show us the importance of history and tradition for the present and the future. As I walked along the hills of Calas in France, I discussed the value of simply taking care of a cemetery with Bishop Dominique Gray, the Bishop of the Diocese. His Excellency stated that seeing how people lack the care of their family tombs shows a detachment from their roots, which ultimately brings about their own demise. So you have to, there's a a desire, a love of the cemetery, a love of of the dead, of, of our past, a respect for that. It's very important for our own life, you know. The diocese itself is engaged in such culture wars by promoting life and family. Among the practical works which the bishop promotes is the weekly celebration of votive requiem masses on Wednesdays, along with the blessing of the cemeteries. Respect for our dead is paradoxically respect for life. And this is so because Christian cemeteries are not necropoli, cities of the dead, but resting places where bodies await the final reunion with their souls. So, you know, and I teach a course on, on uh, Christian anthropology in the church, and you can't avoid the topic of the soul. You know, there's this great book by Michael Agras called The Immortal in You. It's something that I keep bringing up to my students. There's, it's a beautiful book, a really good. This professor from St. Thomas Aquinas College in California. And, it, you know, it focuses in a very good way On these these themes that are these topics that really everyone wants to talk about, the soul, you know, and we're not talking about it enough, but so I make sure that we do talk about it. But now I that's a little bit of a digression. (laughs) The value of life is further understood through the value of the family and the role of the father and the mother in transmitting this life. After all, the transmission of life and culture is the meaning of tradition. Traditio, to transmit, you know. As we consider the word tradition to the Latin verb tradere, to transmit. In the Diocese of Fréjus Toulon, the mystical like sanctuary of Saint Joseph of Bessillon in Cotignac stands among the rolling hills of Provence, almost like a bird's nest in the woods, a reminder to us of the importance of fatherhood. Another thing about this this um, this diocese is beautiful because it's got this. It's got this, sang- this shrine to Saint Joseph, an apparition of Saint Joseph, which is not so common. No. And at the same time, it's where Saint Mary Magdalene ended up. And so there's oh. a shrine to Saint Mary Magdalene. And this this Easter, I was I was given the grace to celebrate Easter vigil right there at the sh- near the shrine. It was really nice. It was like ah, you know, beginning your Easter with Saint Mary Magdalene. <laughs> it was perfect. Um, So there's a lot of graces, you know, we need to think about these things. This place of prayer in recollection, St. Joseph, I'm talking about at Cotignac, was created because of an important apparition of the patron of the Universal Church. Remember, he's the patron of the Universal Church. On June 7th, 1660, Gaspar Ricard, a young shepherd, was thirsty while praying on Mount Bessillon, and a man of imposing stature appeared to him. Using the Provençal dialect, he said, I am Joseph. Lift this boulder and you can drink. Immediately, Gaspard obeyed. Moving a heavy boulder that was close to him, he discovered a spring that quenched his thirst. Later, eight men could barely be able to move the same boulder easily, raised by the pious shepherd boy. On January 31, 1661, then-Bishop of Fréjus, Monseigneur Joseph on the die, authenticated the apparition and entrusted the sanctuary to the priest of the oratory. From the content of the story, we can draw some important reflections regarding the fatherhood of St. Joseph and specifically how St. Joseph helps us to be fathers. In this apparition, St. Joseph, father of the Holy Family, shows his paternity mainly in one way. He instills strength. This is important. A father needs to instill strength to his child. In fact, he gives Gaspard the strength to lift the boulder, to drink and quench his thirst. This is basically the mission of the father, to instill strength. I cannot repeat this enough. You know, a father does not micromanage his family. A father gives indicative orders. Here, do this, do that. But then leads the child to have her sense of responsibility. You know, when I when I, I give guidance to souls, I don't go and tell them all the details what they're supposed to do. I give them principles, guiding principles. Guide them, guide them, direct them a little bit here, a little bit there. But I want them to be free to do to do, to follow those principles in the mode that is theirs to follow. It's very important. And I'm very happy when I see that they are able to do it. And that I'm not always having to I cannot be there all the time, you know. But I just I'm there. I'm, I'm supposed to be the figure that's in the background encouraging them. One of my favorite sayings from the scripture is Hebrews 3:13: "Encourage one another daily while it is still today." So it's kind of a role of a father to give courage in that way too. To encourage, in French, cœur to encourager, it's to give strength to the heart, to the will. And that's what a father needs to do. You know, a son or a daughter needs to you know. That when he or she needs uh, the father, he's there. He's there even in the thought, you know. A good figure that, that is just there, that you know loves you uh, and, and, and wants the best for you. The strong, in this sense, give order, peace, courage, and they help others to complete their works. So it's the, give the giving the order, peace, and courage. However, this force must not be violent or coercive. It must be a Christian strength, fortitude. It must be gentle, peaceful force. To say, you know, uh, an iron hand in a, in a glove, in a, in a, a glove of...
0: Uh, velvet, maybe? A velvet glove.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too often today, strength is confused with violence, with vehemence, with belligerence. Belligerence literally means... You know, to seek out a fight, (coughs) to, to seek out a war. That's not strength. Rather than belligerence, which literally seeks out to fight, we must be militant, the church teaches. In fact, external violence and belligerence often denotes internal fragility. Those who are strong always try to maintain peace and calm. Do not let themselves be upset by difficulties it can be said that strength contains within itself the following traits. Maturity, calmness, reasoning, patience, courage, self-control. And all of these are fundamental qualities for being good fathers. Why is it difficult today to find men who are fathers? Unfortunately, this is one of our crises. We said that strength is a fundamental virtue for practicing fatherhood. But it is effective if it relies on another virtue. Hope. Hope. In fact, if there is no hope of achieving any goal, there is no strength. It is hope that sets man in motion because it directs him to his own end. The man who hopes has the certainty of achieving what he is aiming for, and it is this certainty that invigorates his heart. Hope And hope is really the foundation, it's really founded on faith, if you think about it. I and mean, St. Thomas makes this very clear. So if you know of God and God's presence, and you know it with more certitude than you know that you have, that you have a, I don't know, a glass of water near you, if you have that sort of faith, then you're going to also have the hope that comes from that, and you're also going to have the charity that's combined. They work together, these virtues, you know. Hope seems to be of no interest in today's atheistic society. Indeed, it seems that everything is done so that we no longer think of your future good. But by increasingly chaining man, the society of consumption deludes him into believing that if he does not find something here and now, ik et nunc, he cannot be happy. In this way, man remains caged in the world and its problems since he no longer has a being who transcends him to whom he can turn modern man remains a prisoner in many ways, no longer going beyond what he sees, no longer thinking of a possibility of reaching true peace, true joy, true satisfaction that can only be found in God. Saint Francis was correct in advising his friars to live as pilgrims and strangers in this world and that's what we have to realize that, you know. It's very much in line with what St. Paul says in Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven. If we establish ourselves in the world and place our security in it, then with it we are destined to perish. If instead we are passing through, this means that our home is somewhere else. It means that we have founded our home on the rock. And this rock is God himself. Does this mean that what we do here has no meaning? No. The paradox is that what we do here does have meaning because it is the beginning of eternal life. That's what the sacramental life is all about. It is part of it. For this reason, faith is the foundation of hope in the fruits of eternal life. And we live out this faith in the charity of Christ, grafted unto our Lord in the Holy Spirit, in the living mystical body the Church. From now on, man is called to dwell in him. In fact, in him... We can truly be who we are. While well, begging what Christ the, might, may perfect in him with martyrdom, St. Ignatius Martyr said this He said, Let me receive pure light. I will be a man there, showing how it is in him that a father is truly a father. By removing the ultimate goal of man, which is God, the world has also removed hope. In eliminating hope, it has deprived man of the strength necessary to react to difficulties. Hope, after all, is the foundation of courage and strength. One grows in courage knowing that someone or something outside of himself is there to protect him. For example, a man jumping out of a plane is courageous because he trusts and hopes that his parachute will open. If he jumps out without that, he's not being courageous, he's being crazy. Similarly, a man who knows by faith and trust in God that his father is there for him will certainly take more risks and have more hope in the future than a man who does not have such a father figure. While the world offers us death, hope instead directs us towards immortality. The immortal soul in you by August comes back to this, you know, we're not eternal but we're immortal. Our souls are immortal, not eternal because only God is eternal and eternity is a sense is uh, is ontological. It's only only God can be eternal. Eternity is not infinity. Infinity is a material concept And, and immortality is just the fact that you don't die. Your soul never dies. And uh, that's something that, that's very much foundational for us to understand that. Um, if today it is difficult to find a father who truly embodies the qualities of a father, it is because the world has deprived us of our father who is in heaven. Today, St. Joseph is more necessary than ever. In fact, he appears to Gaspar as an imposing figure in the 1660s, It's after the, it's about a hundred years after the the wars of, of religion. It's after Descartes, the beginning of the Enlightenment, really, in many ways. So there's St. Joseph doesn't appear just by chance. So this imposing figure, he symbolizes the omnipotence of God the Father. This is precisely his mission, to reflect the fatherhood of God. St. Joseph was an excellent father because he always tried to resemble God the Father, living in intimate union with, the, with his will. It is in this, the turning to the Father and his will, which saves men. When we turn away from the Father, then we falter. As our Lord did in his Father's will, so must we follow such an example. St. Joseph expected everything of God. He expected everything. And he asked everything of him you have to be you have to be used to being children in that way to asking to be a good father you have to be a good child you have to be a good child it's the fourth commandment fourth commandment is about both father and son so saint joseph asked everything expected everything from god promptly obeyed god without investigating the designs that god had for him Furthermore, St. Joseph was an excellent father because he was in close, indeed very close, contact with the son, Jesus, who allowed him to exercise his paternity, giving him all the love he was capable of, teaching him to walk, to work, indulging him in his will to humble himself. This great saint, therefore, wants to tell us that if we really want to be authentic fathers, we must let ourselves be taught by God himself hoping and trusting in him alone. And that was what I wanted to share with all of you.
0: Thank you, Father. That's uh, quite um, uh, a poignant reflection and, and very important for us in these times um, where, as you mentioned, we really have this crisis in fatherhood. Um, we'll definitely put a link to that in the description Um But Father, let me just ask you, based on that reading, a couple questions, if you don't mind. Um, Yes. uh, So, in the sense of you're you're trying to emphasize with your article the the Saint Joseph as an image of uh, God the Father, um, and uh, really um, promoting that uh, that. Imaging God in that sense, uh, quite literally in the most privileged way ever um, with uh, the actual son of God, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, how this is something that may strike uh, people a little more who are, are being a little more thoughtful about this. Why is it that God decided to have this regular man uh, be his image um in a way that, you know, because Jesus Christ is the true image of God, the Father, but um, St. Joseph is sort of acting as a kind of uh, a reflection of, of the Father. But what we might wonder why then, does, why does he need this other guy involved, essentially?
1: Well, okay, <laughs> from a purely theological point of view, the only two persons of the Trinity that are missions, that are in mission, that are sent out in a mission, are the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Father does not go on mission. The Father does not assume uh, human nature. Only the Son assumes that. So from that foundation, uh, and there's a lot more to that, of course, why does the Son assume it and not the Father, etc. But I'm not going to go into all that right now but the very fact that you that Jesus that our lord that the son assumes a human nature he has to assume it in a family and so uh, st joseph is known as the putative father the putative father the adoptive father and he and you can you just can't avoid having that figure there our, um, there has to be a context, a family context, in which our Lord in his human nature grows. He grows, he grows fully in the human context. And clearly, our Lord is, uh, God is not going to give him just anyone as a father, as a putative father, as an adoptive father. Like he won't give him just anyone as a mother. The mother of God, our lady, is not just any woman. And so he carefully selects, carefully molds, in a way, the, the, this figure. And, um, and also it teaches us that, uh, it, it serves as an example also for all of us, that uh, you need to have tangible figures. It's not just, God is not just an idea. The very fact that the Incarnation shows us this, that God is not far from us not an idea. We need someone tangibly there. That's what we have with the Eucharist. We have tangibility of God present there, sacramentally present for us. Um, and that presence also, I mean, right now we're preparing ourselves for the Pentecost, that presence can also be the Holy Spirit's presence in, within our hearts and in... Uh, The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is a different presence. uh, It's a perfecting presence. The Holy Spirit is he who perfects in the heart what we've listened to in the mind, in the intellect. So you have the intellect and the will, you know, the two faculties. The word of God is the intellect. refers to the intellect, St. Augustine says. And the the Holy Spirit refers to the, the faculty of the will. The Holy Spirit's, you know, and the will is connected to the heart. So there's, but it and the, the movement of the Holy Spirit is something that, that perfects what we've already heard. And St. Joseph, I mean, in a sense, uh, yeah, he, I mean, it's not so much connected to the Holy Spirit, but it's more connected to a sacramental presence, to a sacramental something, to a tangible presence of a father figure, I think. That sort of needs to be there, you know. Uh, yeah, I think I, I don't. I, I, you caught me a little bit by surprise with the question, but oh, I'm sorry. No. no, 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 no. I don't apologize. No, I have to think about this more. But I think that that's the answer that I can give. You know, that's
0: that's what I was considering. Also, um, of course, it demonstrates the humility of our Lord by submitting to a, a exactly a father. Yes.
1: Absolutely. St. Thomas Aquinas would go through things like this, and, you know, it shows, yeah. and it gives us an example, shows, uh, in many ways it's exemplary, and it shows us uh, the virtues. yeah, Virtues and all these stuff, all these have to develop within a family. yeah. Right. And there has to be that development of the human nature of Christ, there has to be that growth of that, you know, or else, or, or else uh, we'd be falling into heresy if we don't talk about, you know, the real human nature of Christ. He really has assumed the real human nature. It's not just, uh, and right. that that involves all of these things, yeah. having a mother, having a father. Yeah.
0: So. And I, a thought just struck me that perhaps Saint, our Lord has given us St. Joseph also as, um, our Lord is the ideal uh, for men and Our Lady is the ideal for women. In a sense, our Lord Christ is the ideal for everyone, but in a particular way, I would say that uh, Jesus Christ is as as a priest, is the ideal for priests. But for those men who are laymen, <laughs> maybe Saint Joseph can be taken as a, as, a, as a particular yeah. example uh, in a more in a more realistic way to imitate. I suppose, um, if if one is not called to the divine priesthood. It's true.
1: That's true. I agree. In fact, and, that's there's a there's a priest, Father Calloway, that's written. Uh, Father Donald
0: Calloway,
1: yes. Yeah, he's written a very good book on the on, on the devotion to Saint Joseph, and uh, he's really done a great apostolate with that, and uh, working with fathers. So I mean, this this year Saint Joseph has been also quite a good good initiative also from the Church to try to revitalize the figure of Saint Joseph because in the 70s it sort of fell into. To disuse, you know, even his the figure, even the, the importance of Saint Joseph and his apparitions right. in the world in the history of the church
0: yes. and the devotions
1: that we have. He's always there, you know. When you have devotions to Saint Joseph, uh, things happen. I've seen it in my own life, you know. I've I've asked for specific favors and they've been answered on his feast on March nineteenth, or even on May first this year. I was really edified to be. In a, in a nice a very beautiful context uh, near Naples for the Feast of St. Joseph for, uh, for the beginning of the month of there, it, uh, it was a Sunday, and I remember it was um, in an orphanage, and, uh, and it was just really nice to be praying for these children on that feast. Uh, and the feast of Saint Jesus, the worker, also, you know, the, yeah. the importance of work in our lives. So, his, his role is an example for that, too. That work sanctifies us, it defines, helps define us. And, you know, the, the thing that today there's so much, the problem, one of the big problems today is that the meaninglessness of life, the people just don't seem to have, they just seem to go by day by day, and there's no meaning, there's no deeper meaning. And as Catholics, you know, especially you see this in the Middle Ages, everything had some, everything meant something. And so we've gone from an age when everything means something to an age when nothing means anything. Because there's no more sense of analogy, there's no more sense of differences in the way we view reality. Everything's efficient causality, everything's material, everything's like that. But reality is much deeper than that. And that's what I think that's what we see in the Catholic reality, a sacramental reality. We know that there's signs that point to an efficacious grace. And to point to other realities, to spiritual realities. But spiritual realities, we cannot see them save through the senses. And so that's really how I mean that's really goes to the core of your question and answering it is that sacramental dimension of man and the sacramental dimension of, of just. I mean, the the need to have sense that points to, material sense that points to greater sense. And the capacity then to have awe and to to imagine, to imagine, to have a Christian imagination of things, to see that there is, you know, to, to see the working of God in your life. You know, I like people when they say, there's no coincidences, there's God instances, you know, or something like that. It's true, you know, that there's always God's accompanying hand guiding us. And and to to realize that and to sense that, and to, to sense, yeah, to sense that he's present with us, gives us that strength and that courage. I mean, you know, all of these things, all of these devotions that we have point to the same truths, essentially. It's like a light with different rays, but they're the same truth. You know, and you're looking at it with from different angles. Uh, but you know, if you have devotion to Our Lady, if you have devotion to the saints, if you have devotion to Saint Joseph, if you have Saint devotion to the Eucharist, to the precious blood of Christ, you have specific devotion to specific things, specific dimensions. You're gonna end up having devotion to everything else, and and devotion is a question of 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 the heart, and where is your heart placed? And you're gonna everything's sort of gonna have follow that meaning. There was this book that I read years ago. I should not even really know if I should be citing this, but it was called The Confederacy of Dunces. And it was years, years ago I read it and I was laughing about it, but it was like one of the expressions said, you know, my worldview doesn't go with your worldview. Well, you know, and it, it was, kept repeating that, this, this character, and it made me laugh. But it was like these complete contrasting, uh, worldviews from like uh, southern southern literature was southern southern grotesque you know kind of, yeah. but it makes a point you know what is our worldview what is the view what is the worldview that gives sense to our reality, and we clearly are seeing that there's different worldviews right now, we have a worldview of cancel culture and we have this worldview a worldview that sees that you know going to the grave site is important and and there's a sense to it this is book by Thomas Howard called Chance of the Dance and uh, very much in line with the thinking of C.S. Lewis. Chance of the Dance. Is everything just a chance or is it a choreographed dance? Is life life just a chance or is it a choreographed dance in which we are active agents, active secondary causes and uh, what we do matters. Everything we do matters, you know? When I teach moral theology too, I see this, you know, it's like, you, you realize, you know, uh, this uh, Saviour Pink Harris makes this distinction between freedom of excellence and freedom of indifference. Yeah. What every act is not just indifferent to another. It forms a whole you, you know, and it forms this excellence. It forms this thing. So all of these, all of this world, Catholic worldview helps inform our reality, helps for, inform the way we live our lives. And then, and right now, right before our very eyes, we see this. We see that when you are living according to that worldview, some things just don't add up. And there's another worldview that you have that just contrasts. And that's the times we're living in, unfortunately. But because we're living in these times, I think that's why we need to be reemphasizing what it is that we believe. And explaining it and trying to understand it in light of what we're going through. So this article that I wrote in 2020, it really stemmed from my frustration with this whole cancel culture. And I just thought, well, how on earth can we just cancel everything? What is this? You 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 you, you don't just indiscriminately cancel your history and your past. You are your his you are your history has term has helped determine you. Not in a deterministic, behavioralistic sort of way, because you still have freedom to 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 grow, but it has had its impact. And we must be we must have a sense of gratitude towards our ancestors and our history and our and and our faith, you know? Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I sound like I'm babbling here, but I'm just trying no, to No no
0: no. It's uh, very it's a world uh, view it's very important to and i think what uh you're trying to emphasize father is that the figures like saint joseph um are kind of anchors in this uh respect um and it's not just about maintaining traditions of catholic piety or things like that it's about the living uh reality of of someone who can have a have a difference um you make a difference because um you know, there's a tendency to kind of neglect how people like Saint Joseph and um, other saints. You know, for example, if we're emphasizing the emphasizing God, as you mentioned, um, that's obviously good. But if we if we forget the incarnational reality, we forget that. Um, our Lord came to make saints, make himself, His remake his image in everyone who had tarnished it. Um, and so these people like St. Joseph and, of course, Our Lady, who had perfectly, or in St. Joseph's case, nearly perfectly, um, reflected uh, that redemption, that redemptive work that the Lord came to produce. I think that's something that we can apply in our own time when we really see
1: The further and
0: further uh, departure from God. Bringing this uh, maybe to the topic that uh, this podcast tends to focus on while the HLIs work in in the area of life and family, how do you think, Father, that St. Joseph can be a particular, maybe even as uh, under his title of The Terror of Demons, be a particular uh, aid to us in these uh, very challenging and Uh, confusing times
1: well yeah he is a terror of demons and indeed there are demons there are uh, there are demons that are afflicting families uh, especially in the area of sexuality and all this Um, and I think St. Joseph a a, a devotion to St. Joseph certainly protects us from that, um, there's a um, there's a podcast uh, video that I saw a while a while back by Ch- Father Chad Ripicker, yeah. who's uh, an exorcist and talks about spiritual warfare. And he actually made the demons that afflict afflict us. But I think one of the things that he said that really affected me was that he said, and this is completely theologically sound. The problem of evil um, is actually that if you have an answer for the problem of evil, for the beginning of the problem of evil, theodicy, because yeah, theodicy. Um, if if you if you have that as the starting the starting point, the evils that afflict us, uh, then you can define. You can it can help you define the good in some ways, actually. The privation or the carencia, the privatio carencia of a good that is justly due is at the root of original sin. Original sin is the is the break off of original justice, and so God is trying to bring back that order, and that's what the whole of redemption history, in the in the what in theology we call them manifestio revelatio, you know, the 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 revelation that's made more manifest through time through from the patriarchs to the, to the prophets to the apostles now. So this is this plan of God is always made more manifest and um, but in that manifestation of this plan of God there is the fight there's also, there's a war. And you remember I remember this citation from Saint Jose Maria Escrivada. he says, "You will not find peace unless you go through war. So you have to we have to so it's a war. And the, going back to Father Chiariberga, they didn't mention him. Sorry, but the thing that really affected me when he said, "God permits this evil to make us more perfect, to make us less mediocre." Hmm. You know, if we if 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 we didn't have the demons attacking us, if we didn't have a war to fight, if we didn't have spiritual warfare within ourselves, we would be we would remain mediocre. And this is actually the judgment that God makes on, on the devil, which punishes him even more, Father Ripperger says. It punishes him even more because when you manage to fight with the help of grace, and you manage to get out of the problem, and you manage to, 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 to find solutions, God is humiliating the devil. He's humiliating him that way. He's punishing him because he's saying, see, there's a way out. That unlike the devils, unlike the demons, there's uh, we have we have time, we have time on our hands. They don't. Their decision, their decision was was permanent. Ours is a decision that's it's not just one act; it's many acts. You know, it's many good acts and many bad acts that make up what what we are. And uh, thank God we have our faith, and thank God we have the confessional. Thank God we have the Eucharist. Thank God we have these saints to turn to. Uh, and and there's so many apparitions, validly approved apparitions of the Church, that accompany us, accompany us throughout throughout history, throughout the history of the Church, to guide us, to console us. The consolation of the Holy Spirit, the consolation of God, the consolation of truth. Uh, you know, when we when we're we're fighting and we're kind of like dis, disoriented, God. Um, God helps us by reorienting how we look at things, you know. Um, And just there's never there's never a trap being trapped. When you're with God, you're not going to be trapped into anything. There's always hope. There's always a way out. If you're struggling with God, if you're struggling to be with God, you you just realize you realize that what God asks for is acts of faith. you know, John, John chapter 11, right before the last great uh, miracle of our Lord, uh, the resurrection of Lazarus. It was an interesting uh, dialogue that took place between our Lord and St. Martha, the so-called activist among, you know. But it's interesting because she is the one who made the act of faith. She made the proclamation of the act of faith. I think it's John eleven twenty seven. He she said basically what our Lord was. She said, "You are the Messiah." She says what Saint Peter said in Matthew sixteen. And with that act of faith, our Lord made the miracle. John chapter five. Our Lord comes across to the to the to the guy to the, the blind man in Bethesda who's been waiting there for like thirty eight years and can't get into the pool. Our Lord comes. And, and then he makes the miracle, he asks, talks to him, the man responds. So it's always a divine initiative. The divine initiative and faith is a response to that divine initiative. But there, it's a required response. Because if you, don't, if you don't act by faith, then God doesn't perform the miracle. You see that in these episodes, you know, even John chapter 6. I mean, John is full of this. Just, you'll see the dynamics. It's right. God who makes God and our Lord Jesus Christ who makes who initiates the discourse. Sees a sees a poor person, sees his brother, goes up to him, and, 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 and initiates the salutary act. And the person, but the person has to accept it, right? Or else, or else you're not going to get it. And that accepting is an act of faith. Well, that's
0: fascinating, Father. Um, I think we're running a little oh, short on time here. Sorry, sorry if
1: I'm talking so much. No, no, no. You got, me, all, you got me going.
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm. I, we're glad to, to, to have you. I'm sure we'll have you again. And it's always um, interesting because ultimately, like you said, these devotions are pointing to the same thing. So it's St. Joseph and Our Lady. It's not uh, uh, devotions as in some abstractions. These people are pointing us to God, uh, Our Lady, St. Joseph, um, even the Blessed Sacrament is the Person of the Lord, so um, pointing us towards Him um, in a way. And I, so, in a similar sense, all these topics that we end up discussing—they're all <laughs> kind of getting us back around to the same question of, of, of uh, doing. Even even in the particular apostolate of Human Life International, we have to keep in mind that uh, we're not, um, as funny as it might sound, we're not defending life and family. For the sake of them, although to a certain in a certain sense we are, but we're actually doing it for God's sake, uh, and as we do everything. Um, so that's hopefully what we can get at with these uh, conversations.
1: Of course, He is the life. Yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So thank you very much, Father. I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. Yes. And
1: um, thank you. Uh,
0: for all our listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in. This is sort of a unique thing. We're trying to get more guests uh, now, um, whether first from our international affiliates and directors, uh, and then also um, hopefully some others. So thank you for tuning in. Please like and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're listening on Amazon, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, any of the other platforms, please follow us and share with your friends. Um, thank you very much again. and. Keep on living the culture of life. God bless.